Um, all right, so it's it's recording. This is the, this is it. The mic is hot. Do you hear the theme song that I came up with? Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about postpartum baby. Let's talk about shitty nappies. Let's talk about all the good times and the bad times. Where's my coffee? Let's talk about postpartum. Let's talk about postpartum. What do you think? <laughs> I love it. Welcome to Postpartum Stories with Steph. Candid conversations with mums and sometimes dads about the precious yet chaotic time that is life after birth. My name is Steph, woman, warrior, wife, mother, coffee lover and feminist. I'm a postpartum doula in Melbourne and you can find me on Instagram at postpartum underscore with underscore Steph with a PH. Through this podcast, I will chat to women and birthing people in a real and raw way about their postpartum experience. So sit back, grab a cuppa, even if it's cold, take off your bra and enjoy. Today's episode is our first, and what better way to kick off than with a candid chat with my postpartum wingman, my husband, Clay. We cover topics including the emotional roller coaster of the postpartum period, C-section recovery, breastfeeding, poop, and lots more. Just a quick note, I didn't go into too much detail about my birth in this podcast because I've uploaded a series of Instagram TV stories. So if you want to watch those first and then come back when you're up to speed, please feel free to do so. So I think this chat is just going to happen I guess organically I don't have a (laughs) I don't have a specific plan in place but I just wanted to cover what our postpartum experience was like and I used to be a journalist so I'm hoping that I can come up with some interesting questions to ask Clay and we'll see how that goes so I guess my first question Clay is what was the postpartum experience like for you in that first week? Um, so when, when you say what was the experience like, do you mean what was my perception of what it was like for you or what was it like for me? Both. Okay. <laughs> um, well, I suppose mentally where I tried to get myself to before Sonny was born was just almost a a, a state of absolute zero in that I tried to just sort of come to terms with the fact that whatever was about to happen I had no idea about what it was going to be like and no conception of what it was going to be like and so you know just prepare you know in terms of making myself as, as blank a slate as possible and so for the first little while the first sort of week or the first couple of weeks like it was more full-on than anything that I had ever experienced Um, as I said when uh, when I was doing my speech for Sonny's first birthday um, 
you know, we'd sort of laughed naively and incredibly stupidly about people who, you know, would talk about how, you know, they had a baby and they couldn't go to the toilet or they couldn't shower or they couldn't... We were smug. We were smug AF. We were smug. Um, And, you know, sort of, come on, like, how serious could it be? And then all I really remember is for the first couple of weeks, you know, if I could get dressed and eat in one day, that was a good day. And then for the first however long, you know, you barely made it down downstairs just because it was just so full on yeah and I think so I ended up having an emergency c-section so I wasn't super mobile by the time I came home like I was walking and stuff but um pretty much when after I'd fed Sunny if he had gone back to sleep I was sleeping like all I wanted to do was just catch up on sleep so um yeah, I just remember like having these, like being in these really, really deep sleeps um, in between him uh, waking up and feeding and nappy changing and all that stuff. And then Clay was really good at going and getting me food and stuff, going downstairs, um, injecting me with Clexane, <laughs> all that really fun stuff. All this stuff you don't um, ever kind of envisage would be part of your postpartum, although, like Clay said, I didn't have any real expectations and tried to do things that um would be helpful to our postpartum like you know get meals cooked and frozen and stuff but yeah I mean nothing can really prepare you I guess um do you concur I concur (laughs) I I think it's and I I don't know whether this is a helpful analogy or not or whether it's incredibly insensitive or whatever but I'm just going to go with it because I'm sort of dug myself into this hole and now it's too late to get out it's kind of like going to war like you know yeah it got dark real quick then (laughs) well in the sense that you know you can train and prepare as much as you think is possible but like nothing really ever properly prepares you for the experience and, you know, I, I remember a lot of sitting on the couch with Sunny asleep. I remember a lot of, well, I, I remember basically surviving on yogurt and muesli. <laughs> yep. And, like, I remember that horrific couple of days when that dickhead... Uh, maternal child health nurse came and told us that Sonny wasn't putting on weight and he was going to have to get fed fed through a tube and so yeah so I was going to get to that like what that sort of first few days at home was like so just for context we came home from hospital um roughly about uh two and a half days after Sonny was born just because I was uncomfortable in the hospital and I just wanted to be home. In hindsight, I probably should have stayed in hospital a little bit longer, but it is what it is. Um, And then we had the maternal and child health nurse visit us the next day that after we got home, they weighed baby. Baby had lost just over 10% um, of his birth weight. By like a couple of grams. Yeah, not by much at all. Um, 
and you know my milk still hadn't come in at this stage so there was that factor um and the maternal and child health nurse really kind of put the fear of god into us in a way that was just really unhelpful by saying that if our son didn't gain x amount of weight in 48 hours he was going to be he would have to be nasal tube fed which on reflection i just don't think would have been the case because he wasn't you know dramatically underweight um by any means and like I said, my milk still hadn't come in. He was also um, a C-section baby, which, um, you know, they can come out quite, um, I, I was going to say bloated, that's the wrong word. They can have um, quite a bit of fluid um, from IVs and stuff like that, um, which is then lost quite quickly. So their their weight at birth is not necessarily accurate anyways. So that kind of threw me into a complete spin of oh my god my baby's underweight I'm a terrible mother I don't have any milk I'm still trying to learn how to breastfeed and all my hormones are going berserk and uh, yeah I just kind of um not fell into a heap but got into quite a bit of a, a a spin about um getting Sunny to feed and establishing breastfeeding and it just sort of put this pressure on us that was really not helpful but I fed him around the clock <laughs> to um, bulk him up for that next weigh-in and he ended up gaining like a ridiculous amount of weight. <laughs> I think it was like 180 grams in two days or something. Um, but yeah, it just sort of got us on, off on the wrong foot coming home. And um, But it, it was also like... It was a pretty brutal experience for us you know we'd just come home from hospital we were first-time parents we didn't know which way was up you know whether day was night or night was day you know we, we were just in a complete sort of fog and haze but also it kind of I think um, assisted us in that when we went when we had that next appointment with the, the maternal child health nurse, we, you know, were both on absolutely the same page and sort of really put our foot down and said, look, we don't care what, you know, your textbooks say. We know that our baby is healthy. There are no other symptoms to suggest that there's anything wrong with him. You know, he is content, he's happy, you know, he's got regular, you know, he's, his nappies are, are doing what they're supposed to do. He's feeding, you know, he's sleeping, he's absolutely content. And so, you know, if you're gonna try to tell us that we're doing the wrong thing because he's lost 10 more grams than your textbook says that he should, then you can go and get stuffed. <laughs> and that's we said that exact we said you can go and get stuffed no we didn't we were not well you were probably a bit angry but and I was just like Bleh, whatever but, you know it, it, it taught us I suppose about our instincts and you know yeah g gave us you know some faith and certainty to back ourselves in in those sorts of situations yes and trusting instincts is obviously a huge part of being a parent and um, something that you have to learn to kind of 
do, especially as a mum. But I also wanted to mention that on that visit after we got home, that um, maternal and child health nurse, actually, she wasn't a maternal and child health nurse, she was a midwife. Um, She also recommended formula top-ups, which, you know, that's a podcast in itself. (laughs) But, um, and us being, you know, new sleep-deprived, fragile parents, you know, Clay went to the shop and bought formula. He actually, in his frazzled state, ended up spending about $300 on formula, bottles, um, onesies, just all this stuff. And uh, nipple uh, nipple shields. Um, yeah, they really took advantage of me. <laughs> they did. Um, baby bunting, if you want to sponsor us. Uh, <laughs> you owe us, not if you want to sponsor us. You bloody owe us. Um, yeah, and I just remember probably on about day three or day four, you know, I was still trying to establish breastfeeding, getting used to that. My milk still hadn't come in. And I just remember every hour I would say to Clay, I'm giving up on breastfeeding, we're formula feeding him. And then the next day I'd be like, no, 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 I'll just feed him again. And I was dealing with really intense like nipple pain um, and a bit of nipple damage as well. And so every feed I would dread. And I just remember going back and forth between formula and breastfeeding, formula and breastfeeding. And um, again, I think this is a separate podcast altogether on breastfeeding, but I got help from a lactation consultant and um, that was the best thing I ever did. And, you know, we're still breastfeeding 18 months later. Um, but yeah, like it's really kind of, um, those first few days are kind of make or break because we were so close to, um, formula feeding and this is no judgment on formula feeding, but it's just purely out of, um, you know, the emotion around it and, um, the pressure of that this midwife placed on us, um, to get Sunny's weight up, um, and you can see why, um, the rates of breastfeeding are so low because of the lack of support and the you know yeah the, anyways but again, like I've said this 50 million times we will be doing a podcast on breastfeeding <laughs> do you want to ask me the question that you just asked me when I wasn't recording sure um I think that you should talk a little bit about the postpartum experience from your perspective and what it was like for you and what was unexpected um i would say pretty much everything was unexpected <laughs> um gosh it's such a hard question to answer because i feel like definitely the first sort of week or two maybe even three weeks we're just so foggy and you know in the last 18 months I've had times where I've said to Clay what happened on this week and what happened on that day and did these people visit us like there's things like that I don't even remember but I think it was just this uh, the first week was sort of this intense week of I mean the first week at home was this intense week of you know getting to know this little baby um that I had known for nine months, obviously, but, you know, getting to know him, um, trying to figure out breastfeeding, trying to get rest, uh, and dealing with just this flood of emotion that was, I think I was unprepared for because 
I was expecting that burst of love that you get when babies um, placed on your chest and you know our story doesn't go like that our baby wasn't placed on my chest and I didn't have that initial rush of love and so for the first probably four or five days I was really battling these emotions and um, hormones I guess um, that were playing a role in how I was feeling of being worried that I didn't love him and I know that that's not the postpartum story that lots of people want to hear because so many people say to me or had said to me oh you know enjoy that um, the love bubble enjoy the love fest and I just didn't have that it took me probably a good week or more um, to really be able to look at my son and be like oh I fucking love you (laughs) you know it took um, it took time and so in that first week I was just sort of yeah all over the place really and I do remember having this moment where I said to Clay um, what on earth have we done (laughs) I think we've made a mistake (laughs) Um, but you know not long after that I didn't feel like that at all so it was just this huge roller coaster of emotions and everything so that's probably my week one and then the next few weeks after that were kind of um, just really nice like getting to know our son and um, you know just resting and um, taking it easy Um, we'd go on little outings and that kind of thing and our families were really great at um, bringing us food and things to free so we didn't really have to worry about cooking um, or doing any of those sorts of things and then I guess just trying to heal from a c-section as well which was um, you know quite an intense journey Um, I feel like and I know you said at the beginning that you don't really want to talk about your birth story so much but I think that a lot of the postpartum experience for you had a lot to do with the birth aspect of it and coming to terms with the fact that the birth story didn't go the way you envisaged it going and and particularly you know that that period of time immediately after he was born didn't go the way you were planning it, it it would and so I think that that explains a lot and you know for you in those those first few weeks and you know a few months after after he was born um was coming to terms with that yeah definitely and I think it's taken me a good year and a half to really come to terms with everything because I felt like I needed to I felt like I did the whole, oh, well, you know, he's healthy, I'm okay, so let's just carry on. But, you know, that only kind of serves you for a little while before, you know, your mind starts to kind of remember things and starts to question things and starts to think, hang on, I think what happened was not okay. Um, But I guess what Clay's referring to, um, you know, I didn't have a specific birth plan, you know, I didn't. I wasn't going to go into labour and say, this is exactly how it's going to go. Um, No questions asked, you know, I'll be doing this and I won't be doing that. I was, you know, obviously had um, 
things that I would that I preferred um, but there was only one thing that I definitely absolutely 100% wanted and that was to have um, my son put on my chest and to have that skin to skin and to have a golden hour and um, you know to do delayed cord clamping and all that sort of stuff and unfortunately for us um, that didn't happen because uh, he was born via emergency c-section and then he needed um, to be resuscitated because he um, wasn't breathing so um, that really stuck in my mind for that week or those following weeks and months that I sort of was robbed of this um, moment and obviously you know I want I wanted my son to be looked after by hospital staff if he needed it but it was just a lot of other things that had led to this moment that uh, had led to you know a c-section that you know on reflection you know I think maybe if I had have done this or if I had have tried that then maybe we wouldn't have ended up in that situation and that's those unhelpful kind of thoughts that you know weren't getting me anywhere I guess what do, what do you think yeah I I, th- I think that you're right and I'm really mindful of the fact that you and I have very different experiences through that um, you know for, for whatever reason it, it was a lot more difficult for you to come to terms with that whole part of the birth um, well probably because I was the one giving birth <laughs> plain and simple you know and you know that's not any fault of yours <laughs> um, yeah I think yeah it's just different perspectives and different ways of looking at things and um, yeah yeah and but for me you know the the number one thing was that you know sunny healthy and and you healthy um and so i i suppose with that being said and that in mind i was able to go straight into you know day one of being a dad or day one of being a parent and deal with all of the challenges that 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 brings with it but for you you were grappling with day one of being a mum and day one of being a parent but also coming to terms with you know the the trauma associated with everything that you'd been through as well yeah and dealing with major abdominal surgery recovery (laughs) um which yeah is nothing that you know I hadn't planned for it so wasn't it was I wasn't really sure what to expect but in all honesty like I was up and walking within 24 hours and a week later you know we were at a shopping center (laughs) you physically you recovered exceptionally well and very like extraordinarily quickly um it's all of the other stuff as that you know takes more time to recover from i guess something that um a lot of people talk about and 
debate about um, when it comes to postpartum is visitors. So I want to talk about that um, <laughs> just to change the change the topic there. So yes, to get a bit more lighthearted, yes, light um, very subtly. <laughs> um, so we had we in, we told a few friends and family that we'd had our baby but we weren't really in hospital long enough to have a lot of visitors but we had um immediate family come and visit us and just a couple of friends and then once we were home i think we kind of just said um nah we're all good <laughs> um and people sort of took a t took um, you know a few weeks to come and visit, which was probably a good thing because it just gave us time to figure out what the hell we were doing. Um, do you have any thoughts on on that? Well, I I felt very strongly, sort of a, a I guess a protective instinct, um, and and that was to essentially act as like the gatekeeper to. <laughs> to you and, and to Sunny and you know I, th I think that possibly people got their noses out of joint a little bit because you know he was born at 3.33 in the morning and we said no to any visitors that day and that was absolutely the right call I would you know I felt it then and I feel it now and I'd do it again every day of the week and twice on Sunday but you know some people feel as though they should come and visit straight away and we weren't ready for that and I was um you know completely exhausted you know I I could barely keep my eyes open in that first sort of 24 hours that he was born so having visitors um in that uh frame of mind would not have been good because I wouldn't have remembered it and I wanted to remember you know when my family met my son so we kind of yeah made a decision to um have a bit of time first um to you know have a shower <laughs> um but, but also like that experience and living through it made me want to immediately apologize to everybody in my family and in my life that I had gone rushed in to go and visit you know immediately after finding out that that a baby had been born because I just assumed that that was the right thing to do and then experiencing it you're like I couldn't think of anything fucking worse than <laughs> yeah to have to deal with all of that I think it gives you this new perspective and I felt exactly the same way it made me think of all the friends and family I'd visited with newborns where like yeah we showed up at hospital like you know an hour after the baby was born and you know we just we were cuddling the baby we weren't paying attention to the mum like we were just shit humans before we had our son I actually remember um apologizing to a couple of people who who I'm friends with who had had children sat to say like I remember coming to your house and just you know sitting there and holding the baby not really doing anything helpful for you um and you know I should have been making cups of tea I should have been you know offering to do a load of washing but like when you don't have kids you just you know you're not you just you want to cuddle the baby and I, that's totally reasonable but yeah um I think that oh, <laughs> our first interruption Oh, I thought I paused it, but I didn't. <laughs> um, 
yeah there's there is that you know that saying like everyone wants to hold the baby but who who's holding the mum um yeah and so I think it's given definitely given us new perspective on um new parenthood and and how to what a socially acceptable way to meet a new baby but also um nurture the mum and dad as well so and some people you know if that's your thing if you've just become a parent or just had a baby and you want everyone around you instantly like good luck to you absolutely you know yeah do it you know we're not judging anybody you know for for what they want to do but for us like we definitely did not want that and so you know I suppose that the change in in approach from us from now is to you know just reach out to whoever's had a child and say hey you know what what would you like from us how can we support you what can we do to be helpful we would love to see you we'd love to see the baby but you know you just let us know when you're ready yeah I think that's a good approach um something else that I would like to talk about is um the unexpected things that happen in postpartum and I have got this very sort of vivid memory of waking up with soaked bed sheets of milk (laughs) and leaky boobs and just things like that like what are some of the things that kind of that you couldn't really prepare for Now he's getting emotional. So for anyone who knows my husband, <laughs> knows that he is an emotional dude and that is so good. So I was wanting to have a conversation about poo and vomit and <laughs> leaky tits and now he's going to go and get all emotional on me, which is totally fine. But all right, what are you going to say? Look, here's the thing. So... For the first, I don't know, however long after Sonny was born, I could not talk about or think about his birth without getting an emotional. And for whatever reason, you've just hit a nerve and, you know, that's just the way it goes. You're just going to have to deal with the consequences of that. So the the number one, you know, up in on a neon sign in spotlights, the number one thing that I wasn't prepared for or that was unexpected... Um, is just how amazing you are and how amazing women are because women and birthing people let's include our non-binary friends my apologies you know I'm 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 not you know I've got the best of intentions but it's it's an incredible thing and it's it's never not incredible and the only reason why we as a society sort of just gloss over just how incredible childbirth is how incredible women are is because it's relatively common like if 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 men did it you'd have a bloody public holiday and you'd have 52 weeks of paid maternity leave and all these other amazing benefits but we get fucked well yeah there's all of that and you know we're trying to fix that that stuff but it's absolutely true um you know the everything that you did everything that your body did all the way through the entire process like it's 
incredible like breast milk like your boobs create this thing and like you're pretty much an alien as far as I'm concerned like the just how intuitive it, it all is like you know from Sonny's saliva on your nipples your body can figure out whether or not he is getting sick and then produce extra antibodies and stuff in the breast milk that will safeguard his immune system and, and his health like you produce different milk depending on what time of a day it is because his needs change depending on whether it's first thing on the morning or the last thing before he goes to sleep at night like i i didn't know any of this stuff see this is why we need a separate breast milk breastfeeding <laughs> it all comes back to breastfeeding and how amazing it is um yes you are right and that is um i guess yeah one it is an unexpected thing because you know you you want to know all of those fun facts about breast milk and breastfeeding um but i really wanted to get to like the nitty gritty um well okay let's talk about poo no i'm kidding more more fun so the first time he peed while i was changing his nappy it scared the shit out of me because like tiny little baby tiny little willy and then he just pees and it damn near goes above my head like i did not expect that a child could create that much force and yeah i didn't realize that either and obviously little boys you know they pee upwards um so you've really got to like get your nappy changing skills on point on point with that shit you know (laughs) yeah (laughs) you need to be quick lightning quick and you know i had a really great um postpartum experience where clay um did most of the nappies for probably the first few weeks because i couldn't be like well in hospital i couldn't get up to do it i mean i could but it wasn't ideal um and then he just sort of fell into the the nappy changer ninja role um which was great and all husbands and partners um should definitely do that because you know why not um yeah so another another thing that i didn't expect was that newborn poo although it's like you know a gross texture and all tarry and stuff but it doesn't smell no it's quite pleasant and even like breast milk poo doesn't smell well it has a smell but it's not like a poo smell and then you know you start solids and it's like it's a whole range of things going on there so i wanted to talk about some of the really kind of deep fucked up shit that happens in those first few weeks that i know I know that this happens to other women. I don't know if it happens to men as much. But, and I don't actually know if I've told you this. Okay. Um, but I had moments in the first few weeks of being stuck in that deep sleep deprivation. And, like, I would finally get Sonny to sleep after, you know, and like however long of feeding him, rocking him, he was asleep, I'd get him to sleep. And most of the time he was sleeping sort of in between us co-sleeping. And I would have these thoughts of like, oh shit, I hope that I don't accidentally roll over onto him. Or I hope that, you know, a pillow doesn't end up on top of him. But then at the same time I would be like, oh, but if it did, then I'd get to keep sleeping. (laughs) 
I know. It's <laughs> fucked. It's so fucked. But that's where my brain was at. And I feel like th- that must happen to other women. Mm. And I, I look forward to finding out. But, yeah. And, you know, obviously I had no intention of hurting him or harming him. But it was just that really bizarre kind of moment of feeling so desperate for sleep. Mm. Yeah, I just feel like I needed to get that off my chest. <laughs> Disclose that. <laughs> um, well, you're right. We haven't discussed this, but uh, I didn't have that experience. Um, the thing that that I found was um, just how quickly, I, I don't know whether this is, is everybody or, or just me, um, but I felt like I adapted relatively quickly to severe sleep deprivation like to the point where after a couple of days um it was like oh i got two hours of sleep i feel amazing i can take on the take on the world um so that that sort of surprised me i suppose what i found was um almost like you, you get into a traumatized state where, you know, baby wakes up in the middle of the night and doesn't know that it's the middle of the night and just thinks that it's time for a party and time to begin the day. Um, and so, you know, you spend however long it is, what feels like forever, um, trying to get him back to sleep. And then you finally do that. But then you can't get back to sleep because you're thinking, he's going to wake up again Mm. Um, or, you know, every single noise that, that comes from his direction um, is just like, Oh, here we go. He's waking up again. Mm. Um, And so that, that was what I found like sort of most exhausting. You know, I I found that once I could get to sleep, if I got, you know, if I, if I got two hours, I was good to go, but it was just that sort of, semi-traumatized state that you end up in you know waking up in the middle of the night and then trying to get back to sleep and i should say too you were up with me every feed every wake up every every time and that was partly because of my c-section and i needed you to be able to do nappies and all that sort of stuff but also like you're a pretty good partner and you're quite supportive and <laughs> you're a pretty good partner yeah, you're right. that, that's a ringing endorsement yeah you're not completely shit put, no. put that on my gravestone when i <laughs> when i eventually die um you know here lies clay pretty good partner yeah so you were sort of grappling with that sleep deprivation as well yeah, the other... and i i i consciously did that um i wanted to make sure that that i was there for you through all of it for every second of it um but also you know wanted to to be there to to be a part of it and make sure that i didn't miss anything as well the other thing that i want to talk about that i think is really important too is for me trying to embrace my new life and grappling with the loss of my old life which i think i really struggled with a lot and I remember being at a library session at rhyme time when Sunny was probably like two months old and I was looking around at all of these women, mainly women, there was like one or two dads, 
and I'm like, I used to be a professional. Like we're sitting in a circle singing Mary Had a Little Lamb and I'm like, I used to be a fucking professional. Like what the fuck is my life? And I would get really angry at you for being able to go and do normal human things. Do you remember when you came home from work with a haircut? (laughs) And I was just like, are you fucking serious? You get to go to work and talk to humans and like have coffee and do whatever you want. And now you've gone and got a haircut? Like, how dare you? (laughs) Um, I do remember that. (laughs) And I just think, you know, it is this really bizarre time of kind of yeah embracing this new normal and your lack of identity for me but also learning that the rest of the world continues on and people need haircuts and that's okay (laughs) yeah what do you think about that um look I, i i totally get that and i i don't know um and i suspect we'll find out um, through you having this podcast, but um, I I suspect that I'm I'm maybe not typical um, in this this sense because you know I I didn't want to go back to work I didn't want to be away from you and and from Sunny I I didn't want to do that and and I wanted to be I still I wanted to be you know there twenty four seven. Um, constantly but you know we had bills to pay and and you know a mortgage and so um, I had to go back to work and I hated it you know it it really um, it was really agony Um, and so I think this this was a a difficulty for us at least in the those those early times when you know you're dealing with everything that you just talked about but equally you know you say I I got to go back to work, but for me I you know it was I had to go back to work, yeah. um, and so you know I th- I think that this is probably something that that a lot of couples deal with um, in terms of I, I suppose the, the very different roles that we sometimes play um, and sometimes we get forced into playing. Um, and so, so that was, was tough. Um, and it was, you know, part of, I suppose, my, my experience in, you know, we, we had six great weeks together mm-hmm. after Sonny was born. And then, you know, all of the time since sort of grappling with how do we adjust to our new lives together. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I suppose, and, and I, I can't remember if we've talked about this already, but, you know, it's something that I'll never not be grateful to you for um, in terms of uh, adjusting to the new life because, you know, you were ready to to have a baby and, and to become a mum quite a bit earlier than I was ready to, to become a dad. And, and you um, were very patient with me in terms of waiting until I was ready and and we we did we waited until we were both ready um and so that made the transition for me a a lot easier I mean yes your life was disrupted you know I don't mean that in a negative sense but just in in the literal sense your life was disrupted a lot more significantly than mine was um but equally you know I I embraced the disruption because it was it was absolutely what I wanted 
Yeah, and I think you're coming at it from the perspective of knowing that you have to go back to work at some stage and that you are desperate to kind of spend as much time with Sunny as possible. And I'm coming from it as, you know, I'm home with this baby all day mm. and I need something else. <laughs> and then that's sort of where you, where we both kind of butted heads a little bit. But mm. I think the key is to communicate that stuff as openly as possible because otherwise it just all kind of piles up and you resent each other and yeah it's yeah but uh, absolutely but also you know be sensitive and alert to the overall situation like you know it is very likely that you have never been as this tired you mm. know that it is very likely that you have never had as little mental capacity or emotional stability mm-hmm. as you do have in that time and so you know yeah you're you, operating on like a whole yeah other level you're of all, yourself yeah you're already raw and you know we we're doing everything we can uh to you know meet the needs of this this tiny little precious baby um and what that means is that for all of the rest of it we are not our best selves mm-hmm. <laughs> Pretty much. Well, I think that might be it for our episode. Unless you had anything else to add, I think I don't think I had anything else. I, I think that what you're doing is awesome, and I hope that it it helps a lot of people, and I hope that I've been helpful to you. Well, we will find out. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thanks for listening to today's episode please come over and say hi on instagram that's where i like to hang out uh, my handle is at postpartum underscore with underscore steph s-t-e-p-h that's where i'll be sharing podcast episode updates too hope to chat to you soon <laughs>